He's got a beautiful backswing. That's oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh, that is amazing! Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. And we have a special show for you guys today. We are live from Jimmy Austin Golf Club in Norman, Oklahoma. Woody, why don't you go ahead and tell us about the great things at Jimmy Austin and tell us about your nephew as well. Well, my nephew, being Tyler Woodward, just recently got the general manager's job here at Jimmy Austin, which I'm excited for him. Uh, that makes me a little prejudiced, like we said, um, especially a guy that graduated from Oklahoma State playing golf up there. So everybody goes, you're Norman? Yeah, well, family's, <laughs> family's important. So uh, I said earlier that this golf course where I won the state high school in 1975, and Honestly, gentlemen, Jimmy Austin was not very pretty. And in fact, it wasn't called Jimmy Austin at that time. It was the university courts at OU. And uh, I think it was horrible is what I said earlier. And that, that might have been a bragging point because it was terrible. But if there's a golf course in Oklahoma that I've seen mature and turn into a, one of a better facilities, it's this one. Um, I've said all along, the tee boxes here are as good as anywhere I've ever played. They're perfect is what they are. The golf course, excellent. Everything about this product they have down here in Norman, Oklahoma, if you haven't played it, if you haven't been down here to see it, well, shame on you. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a hidden jewel. Well, it's, it's just unanimous with people who have played here back in the time that you were talking about, Woody, and everyone says how horrible it was. And I can't imagine a day this golf course would be in horrible shape. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. We had a, uh, what well, we have, the U.S. Junior out here, or the U.S. We had the uh, Public Links is what we had out yep, here. Yep. Then we had, obviously, OU's won so many national championships. We've got the Corn Ferry event coming up. I mean, this is just one of the most unbelievable places. And we're getting to do our show potentially at the home course of what will be over the last decade, the the best go- college golf program in the country, probably. I mean, at least up there in the top three or four. So, I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable place. I couldn't think of many more that would be better, Sam. No doubt about it, guys. We got to get straight into it because we have a lot of stuff to get to today. Boys, I almost had the pick of the year last week <laughs> oh, it was unbelievable. at the Sony Open. I told you guys last week, I came on the podcast, I said, I have a pick that's a little bit off the radar, but I remember this kid when I was in, when I was in college playing in Hawaii named Hayden Buckley, who almost broke the scoring record of that tournament. Turns out, I go ahead and pick him for the one and done, and guys, I cannot stop. Stand watching Siwoo Kim now. I absolutely can't stand Siwoo, even though I like him. But he tore my heart out on 17 when he chips that ball in. It seemed oh, like Hayden yeah. Buckley made all the putts he needed to make, whether it was the putt to top Siwoo on 12 or the putt on 14 as well. It just seemed like he was destined to win that golf tournament. And Hayden Buckley, after Siwoo Kim chips in on 17, that his tee ball you know, on 18 was... Barely like on the collar between the second cut and uh, and the first cut there, and it just really that was the difference, guys, between him hitting the green in two. Instead, he's short right of the green. That's the difference between a twelve foot putt 
in a two to four foot putt to at least tie the golf tournament. He could have had a chance to win the golf tournament if he hits the green there. I, I didn't see Hayden Buckley crumble under any sort of pressure. It just seemed like the pick was there, guys, and it never happens where we pick the winner of a golf tournament, much less someone off the radar. And so great tournament by Hayden Buckley, but man, that one hurt. Well, I mean, you were the only out of our 144 person one and done pool. You were the only one to have it. Only one. And the commissioner of the one and done pool comes out and says, I don't even know who the hell Hayden Buckley was this week. So Sam is Nostradamus. Clearly didn't listen to the 73rd hole. Exactly. I, I, I yeah. said, Mr. Meyer, you got to continue the 73rd hole. You will be in, you will be enlightened with the information that you will hear. But I, I look back on Hayden Buckley, Sam, and he did have the three putt on 11, which at the time didn't mm-hmm. seem so bad because he rebounds with a birdie on 12, then birdie's 14. Makes a not very good bogey on 15, but then makes another bounce back birdie on 16, Woody. So you're thinking, man, every time this guy messes up, he just gets it right back. But then not being able to, to close on 17 and 18, because Siwoo played those two holes two under, and Hayden Buckley played them even. What was the difference? But but like Sam talked about, and what's your opinion on this? Just the difficulty of whenever you get, like you talked about, we barely missed the Pharaoh on 18, you have that collar right only behind your ball and kind of on the side. What What makes that shot so tricky? Well, there's two things that makes it tricky. The the one is you're not sure exactly how the club face is going to hit that heavy grass before it gets to that tighter lie, so it can twist that face one way or the other pretty easily. You almost would rather be in the rough because then he can kind of, as long as the lie wasn't horrible, he could kind of count on a jumper like we've all hit and maybe get it to roll up onto the green. But where that ball was, and we we've, we've talked about it, the difference between winning and losing Hayden Buckley did everything he needed to do to win the golf tournament. It just wasn't his time. And I don't know why that happens. I can't tell you guys why that happens. Um, did Siwoo Kim outplay him? Maybe he did on 17 and 18, but not during the whole round and not leading up to it. Hayden Buckley held the lead, you know, and for a number of days. And. For a rookie, still kind of a rookie. He's not a full rookie. I think it's his second year. But that was impressive to me. Not only that Sam <laughs> pulled him out of nowhere. I say nowhere. Sam knew the boy. I didn't know the kid at all. So great job on Sam's part. But it destiny just wasn't on Sam's side. <laughs> or it never <laughs> is never on Hayden <laughs> side that day. So I'm sorry, guys. That would have been a, the, the call of the year, but it wasn't. Yeah, and no one was screaming louder. Pop it up, pop it up on the AT&T box when he tees that three-wood up like a space needle. Talk a little bit about that, T-Dub and Woody, because I've never seen anybody do that, especially under the pressure. No, that was a little bit unique to see, and uh, unfortunately he tees up the exact wrong way because he had been an inch one way or the other. He might have had a better opportunity. And one thing about your point, Woody, I think makes a lot of sense is when you don't know when that club's coming into the ball with that rough, it's a lot harder to do it right when you have a four or five iron versus a wedge because the wedge with the higher loft can get through it a little bit easier. Exactly. The the lower the club gets, the more ability the hosel has to hit and then twist. So it, it is it, the problem is it's only the most important shot he's ever played up to this point in his career. It was looking to win his first PGA event. Now you throw in that type of lie where anything can happen. Can you imagine how that mind's racing? And the hardest thing to do when you walk up there and you see that is not to look around and go, oh, man, holy crap, I just got screwed. Not now. You know, and so it's really difficult not to be negative. 
I mean, because you go, why now, Lord? You know, don't, don't do it to me now. Like going into a divot. We talked about it last time we were on the show. It's just, why do we play golf, gentlemen? Because we've said all along, it's not fair. Yeah. And, and I want to ask your opinion on this, Sam. Do you think that with the, where that pin was on the back right, mm-hmm. do you think that with how tricky that lie was, he should have just played to make sure he was on the left side to secure that he was going to be able to have a good chance at a birdie? Well, it's tough because normally with that kind of lie, he's not sure whether it's going to grab the hosel or not because <laughs> it ended up going. not because obviously the ball was up against the collar of the rough, which was to the balls out to the outside of the ball. Do you see what I'm saying? But yeah. there's still a chance that that – rough could have grabbed the, the hosel of the club and he just doesn't know it's a guessing game and, and i think and that's probably why he hit it right yards left as opposed to trying yeah. to miss a little left yeah. and you can go and, even way and more i mean left. he hit a nice chip up there to 12 feet and it didn't go in but it's just hard. it like what he said destiny wasn't on his side if i look at the stats here it's just really hard to beat a guy in the final round who gained 3.71 shots gained approach on the final round, guys. I mean, that's what Siwoo did in the final round. He was striking the ball unbelievable. I mean, yeah, and you look at the, the stats. They were, in the final round, they were both .63 and .62 off the tee, so they drove the ball essentially the same. Around the green, .4 to .63, so Hayden Buckley was just a little bit better around the green. Putting, they both lost about half a shot putting, but the difference was you brought up 3.71 for Siwoo Kim approach. Hayden Buckley minus .41 in that same stretch, which the difference will end up being six under. Which I think Buckley's stats are a little bit deceiving there, though, too, because he did make a lot of big putts. I think the three putt hurt his putting stats a lot in that final round, which it did end up hurting him. But at the same time, he showed a lot of moxie and guts, too. I don't know. Yeah, and you look at the overall of the tournament. Hayden Buckley exceptionally outputted Siwoo by over a, almost a full shot. Yeah, and but then Siwoo got him by a full shot on the approach. So yeah, when you're only doing 18 holes, Woody, the sample size can be a little limited. I think so. And 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 even Buckley, you got to give Buckley credit. When this tournament was over, he could have he could have moaned about a lot of things, but what he did is he point blank said, "I didn't put my four footers." good enough this week yeah he went back to a couple other rounds where he missed what he thought was some pretty critical four footers and there's even a stat that showed he'd only made 66 percent of his putts from four feet the rest of the field was almost 90 percent so he he immediately is recognized which you got to give him credit for that that's what's so cool about a good tour pro they're not going to dwell on what they uh, got bad breaks or this or that they're going to dwell on what do I do? What do I got to do next time to win? And he, I bet he's going to practice a lot of four footers if I yep. had to guess because he did well, he everything should. else well. If you're only sixty six percent of four footers, Sam, you you got to start working on that. Yeah, yeah, and guys, it's still a great story. Hayden Buckley's dad. Uh, there was a great story from Monday Q info on Twitter about him. He wears a wristband, guys that says .006% to remind him how lucky he is to have a son on the PGA Tour. I think it's just cool to have that, is cool. You know, that support system with Hayden Buckley. And, man, it, it was close, guys. It was close. <laughs> uh, we also we can't you know finish the Sony Open talk without talking about a couple more guys. Number one, Austin Eckroat. My former teammate from Edmund North played his college golf at Oklahoma State, finishes 12 under, tied for 12th for the golf tournament, shot shot two under in the final round. I mean, just a really solid tournament from the rookie Austin Eckrow, right, Woody? Oh, and and how critical is it to get off to a good start? And imperative, imperative, and and what it does is it takes those young players that are still learning the ropes. I mean, he's 
he doesn't even know where he's going. He he didn't know why life from come second before this week. So to play that well and to get himself what I call moving up that list where if there is going to be reshuffling and there is going to be some other options available, I look for Austin. I still say I think Austin could possibly play his way into a uh, – Oh, literally not even worry about the top 125. I'm pulling for him to go to looking at that top 70. Yeah, I think he'll, before too long, be in those elevated event type category. This high finish moving him up into the top 125 in the FedEx Cup. He's currently 111 at this point. And I'll say one good thing about Eckert, which every time I've seen the kid play, he does both these things well. Last week he was .78 strokes gain off the tee and .83 putting. So he drives the ball exceptionally well and he putts really good. If you do those things too well, your game can translate onto numerous types of golf courses. And I've seen it first. Firsthand, guys, this guy is fearless, especially when he's going against, you know, higher level competitions. He did it in high school. He won the high school state championship as a freshman. He went to OSU, probably the toughest place to crack a lineup. He cracked it as a freshman. When I was picking rookie of the year this year, I picked Austin Eckrode. You know why? Because he has proven that when he jumps up a level, his game comes with it. You know what I mean? And I think that fearlessness is something that a lot of rookies don't have. They have the talent, they have the stats, but they don't have that fearlessness. Well, he, he can go low at any point. I mean, he can shoot 62, 63, which is something that a lot of players don't have. So, I mean, you can get on a really difficult golf course and you can shoot a 65, 66 when other players aren't. That's going to move you so far up the leaderboard that uh, that's, that's one of the reasons why I think this kid is going to be an exceptional talent. This is just the start of what we're seeing, Woody. Well, we heard Mike McGraw say the other day, if you, he thought that the one thing that everything was consistent with anybody that played professional golf, if you cut them right down the middle, they love golf. That's all they do. They think, they believe, they believe in themselves, they breathe, they do everything. Everything's golf. They were going to be a golfer. That's Austin Eckrode. He has got a heart and a gut. And, and I mean, those two things, boy, you can't, you can't measure it, but let me tell you something. He's got them both. You can just tell just the way Sam was explaining how he's not – he has no fear. And he, he doesn't think he's going to be anything but a top-level golfer. That's what he believes. Guys, speaking of top-level golfers, we have to talk about what Jordan Spieth did in this <laughs> golf tournament. Shot 64-75. And Jordan Spieth becomes just the second player in the last four years to hold a first-round lead or co-lead and miss the cut – T-Dub, what'd you see? Well, I think this is not only the second time it's happened in four years, I think this is only the sixth time it's ever happened. Like six or seven times. I mean, how, how often does it have to be where someone leads the tournament and then they don't? They say, okay, yeah, you can't come back on the weekend. <laughs> I, I could see it maybe happening more at a, at a course like where we have this week, the American Express or Pebble Beach, where there's a three-round cut and you play multiple courses. But you're playing the same exact course and you only have one more round to do it. And he just played so horrible on, on that second round, guys. I mean, he lost 1.3 on the greens, 1.8 around the greens, uh, 1.3 approach and 1.3 off the tee. He lost more than a stroke in every single category. What is, what is some of the worst golf – I've ever seen, and after the first round, I'm thinking, man, me and Sam on our prediction that that Spieth's not going to win a tournament this year, starting to look pretty bad early in January, but uh, I didn't have to worry about it on Saturday, which was an absolute shock to me. (laughs) Well, I I did pick him to win one this year. Um, Jordan Spieth is a box of chocolates. Forrest Gump said it best. You don't know what you're going to get. You have no idea. <laughs> That's right. I, mean, I have never seen a guy at this level 
well, especially the last two or three years where he's working on his golf swing, he's changing things, he's doing stuff. I have no earthly idea how we can pick Jordan Spieth this year until we find which guy's coming. Is it Dr. Jekyll or is it Mr. Hyde? And be that way for a month. Give me a month of being the one good golfer, okay? Because I never know what we're going to get, and it scares me to death. Maybe it's because Jordan Spieth can't drive his RV to Hawaii, guys. Did you hear <laughs> the fact that Jordan Spieth says he and his family will live out of an RV on the PGA Tour, similar to what Jason Day did in the past? Do you guys think this is a good thing or a bad thing, being locked in a box with your wife for however many tournaments he plays? And then they just have a baby, too. They did, yeah. and, I, and I think that's the reason. But yeah. it's like, why are you going to be that close to a crying baby all the time? <laughs> and that sounds like a fate worse than death, Woody. See, here we go again. I, you guys are teeing me up. I, I know what we're doing here. Yeah, I know what we're doing here. You got Woody. What are you going to spell his guts on this deal? Um, you know, we don't. Every every relationship has its moments. Um, I would tell you that I think that Jordan will do this for a while, but I don't think he will do it for long. Um, it is cool to have an RVs now. Let's let's be honest, gentlemen. I don't know if you've been in some of them. Especially lately. his is probably pimped out. Yeah, it's pimped out. Yeah, you know it is, and uh, I think that. Uh, that that nuance will wear off uh, in in that first couple of road trips. He's got a driver, uh, so I don't know. I think it might be what we might have is the RV gets driven to a location and Jordan jumps on a net jet. Before it's all <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're talking about family vacation here, you yeah. know, with a, the truckster, and I just don't see it working for a long period of time. Just you, you got to go from the ground to the air, Woody. Uh, it makes it a lot more convenient. And I will say this: his kid is over a year old now, probably about a year and two months. That's a little yeah. bit better than the, than the fresh newborn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. guys, still a baby. <laughs> That's right. That's a good, very Speaking good. Speaking of the youngsters, Mateo Fernandez de Oliveira wins the Latin America Amateur Championship, guys. We messed up on our last podcast. I should have reminded you guys that this was going on. I needed to remind myself because my dad calls me on Sunday before the NFL football. He goes, hey, turn on the golf. I go, what, what golf are you talking about? <laughs> I, I totally forgot that the Latin America amateur was going on, but I'm glad that he called me because it was a great final round. And the hog, guys, the Arkansas Razorback, De, Fernandez de Oliveira, Shoots a 67 in the final round. That's five under and wins the golf tournament by four over Luis Carrera. Any thoughts on what we saw at the Latin America Amateur Championship? We'll get to what he got after for winning, but what did you see in that final round, Tito? I just seemed like he just played exceptionally well. He shot five under in the last round, one by four shots. Uh, everyone around him shot five under, four under, seven under. So people were making charges at him, but he was still just able to stay out there and had a, a nice little bit of a lead ahead of him. So, yeah, it was just absolutely stellar golf. And I just, like you said, we're getting into the stuff that he won, but I love the just the amount of global exposure this gives to the game of golf. Woody, I got to ask you, I saw something in that final round that I don't know if I've really seen on a high level of golf. I, you see it in college, but you don't necessarily see it when you're playing to, you know, go play at Augusta National. He kept taking the honors. And whether he was, you know, whether he made the lowest score on the previous hole or not, I mean, would that have bugged you? Colt No said that he would have handled it after about the second hole, and uh, and you know that the Carrera he he ended up just not really worrying about it. And uh, Fernandez de Oliveira, who won the golf tournament, ended up uh, giving 
career the honor on 17, but it didn't happen until 17. I I'd never seen it either, and they made them. They made them. They actually brought it to our attention. Right. Uh, usually, you know, golf we've just got those unset of uh, that set of rules, so to speak, and and honor is one of them. But it's not necessarily against the rules, but it's against etiquette. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the basic etiquette. You think, well, if this guy made birdie and I make par, he gets to hit first. Now it um, is against the rules in match play. It is one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, but. I think what you see there, Sam, is this kid was really, really, really focused. I mean, I'm not sure that he even realized what the heck he was doing. I think he was just so gun ho to birdie this whole keep going. Uh, He just forgot. I'll say this, though. If I was the guy chasing Fernandez de Oliveira, I would have definitely wanted to take those honors just to take him out of the rhythm because what do we do when we get uncomfortable? We want to go quicker and faster and faster and faster. Well, clearly, Fernandez de Oliveira is not that way. Mm -mm. He wanted to go quick. That's where he felt comfortable. And if he is wanting to tee off first every time, I'm going to want him to get out of his comfort zone. You see what I'm saying? And and hit first and make him sit there and wait and think for a second. Yeah, so... What would you have done, Woody, back when you were on the PJ Tour? If you knew you had the box and someone just went up there and teed up in front of you? Like, like do you and you're say, playing for the Masters. And, like, do you say something at that point? Or are you like, hey, man, you need to get the hell off the tee box. It's my time. Well, I think he, it, what Sam said is spot on because if it, this guy's on a roll, you want to stop him. You want to stop him in some way. I always think, think back to, God rest his soul, Sebi Ballesteros. A lot of people didn't like him. But one thing about him, he was shrewd. He yep. was a gamesmanship type of guy. Ask Paul Azing. Yeah. <laughs> they went round and round. <laughs> Jingling chains in your pocket when you're about to hit and oh, stuff man. like that. So if, if if you confront somebody like that, it could have really been a game changer because he first off maybe didn't know he was doing it, and now he gets called out on it. And, and he's, he, he maybe looks, even just bringing it up, not yes. even the fact that he has to hit second, yeah. but maybe just bringing yeah. it up rattles him a little bit. Yeah. And maybe that's yeah. a bad way to look at it, or not the moral way to look at it. But, but we're, we're playing a game here. That's right, and 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 he's trying to win. You're trying to win. So yes, T.W., Yeah, I would say something. I'd say something maybe to the caddy first, and then after he hit, I'd walk up to him and I'd go, Hey, you know, you didn't have the honors on that shot. That's cool. But don't do it again, okay? I'd right. call him out. I wouldn't. I wouldn't as he's getting ready to hit the golf ball. Go, hey, whoa, stop! You know, I wouldn't right. do that. Uh, some is, guys would. Though. Is it worse in the tee box or in the fairway? Oh, I think it's worse on the tee box. Definitely uh, worse yeah, on the tee box. You say, know, yeah. fairway. You know, we all are guilty of. Uh, you know, hey, that yeah. guy's not ready to hit, and you'll. Most but most of the time, you care. go, now, nah, yeah. or the other guy will go, go ahead and hit. I haven't got a number yet, or something like that. But this was a pretty big event, and it, <laughs> you know, again, getting to play in the Masters, pretty, pretty important little event. So I would have stopped him. I would have found a way to break what Sam said is perfect. He's on a roll. I mean, yeah. he's just going, go, 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 slow him down. Do and something. by the way, I mean. He had no pressure on him in the final round, number one, because uh, the guys chasing him weren't really making that charge they really needed to, and there was no wind. In Puerto Rico, when do we ever see no wind? That never never happens, and that's why he finished 23 under for the golf tournament. By the way, guys, he joins Abel Gallegos as uh, the second Argentinian to win the Latin America Amateur Championship. Abel Gallegos won it in 2020 at 17 years old of um, in Mexico. And then Fernandez de Oliveira, age 22, uh, goes to Arkansas, wins at Grand Reserve Golf Club in Puerto Rico, T-Dub. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there was no wind in that final round in Puerto Rico. When does that ever happen? I played one AJGA there, and it was blowing harder than it does in Kansas or Oklahoma. Uh, and and they they've never, this is the first time they played the Latin America amateur in Puerto Rico. But just some of the other scores that have won this tournament: minus seven, minus four, minus fourteen, minus eleven, minus one, minus three, minus eleven. So it absolutely blows the winning scores yeah. out of the park. And, and before we get on to to what Mateo was able to get on and, and accomplish what he'll be doing this year, I want to shout out another guy named Mateo Pulsini. He plays golf at Oklahoma Christian University, where I played at, and he finished tied for eighth in the event, Woody. So that's wow. pretty pretty cool wow. deal to have a uh, guy playing local golf here doing so well up there well as you all know we our colleges are are back in the day jamie gonzalez played at oklahoma state and then we got rafael alicorn those were the two foreigners that we had at oklahoma state during my time when i played there that we didn't do that right you know you didn't recruit like that I'll challenge almost any golf team that if we went through all the division one ncaa's all the way down to Division A, whatever it is, I'll bet you can't find a golf team literally that has nothing but Americans on it. I mean, it's yeah. changed this whole deal. I'll bet the Kangaroo Squad has some foreigners. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch. <laughs> the Ruse, yeah, the Ruse got a bunch of French guys. They got a French connection. It seems like each college team kind of has their own little connection. Little, you know what I mean? Yep. Like some Louisville, it's the Germans, right? Or yep. it, you know what I mean? It it, it just kind of happens that way. Another speaking of golf teams, another thing I found interesting about this Latin America Amateur Championship is the fact that the other Argentinians, even the uh, Mar- Marzilio, who finished uh, third in this golf tournament, they were just so happy for Fernandez de Oliveira. They were celebrating and throwing water on him like he like like he just got into the Masters. But I mean. <laughs> like he gave him a hug after the round. It, it seemed like they were just as happy for him to win as if they would have won. I think they were. I, I mean, it, that looked genuine. Yeah. That, that did not look like uh, that. Some, yeah. You know, they, were, yeah. they were happy for yeah. him. Yeah. I, I think it, I, I relate it to. So it, the difference is that it's a, another country, right? With right. Argentina. But think about if we had a bunch of Oklahoma players go play mm-hmm. some big event and there was five or six, eight of them there. They'd probably react the same, wouldn't they? I mean, I, I feel like I would have, obviously, back yeah, in the day. So. I, I think so. It, but you don't even see that in college golf. There's just an individual aspect to it when you're talking about Americans. I yeah. mean, it, it's just kind of natural that, yes, we're happy for our teammates, but we want to do well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so it, I think it's just different when you get to other countries, whether it be Argentina, like we saw in this, or you know, the Ryder Cup. We've obviously seen that's 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 the number one. It also helps that he won by four shots, and the next closest Argentinian was six shots behind him. You know, if if you if you some guy makes a fifty footer or you miss a four footer and last hole lose by one, you know, you still be happy for the guy, but at the same time, there may be a little bit more friction there. No, because of your letdown as opposed to what he did. No doubt, and Mateo gets into uh, the Masters. He gets into the U.S. Open. He gets into the amateur championship, which is the British Am. I didn't know the, we were calling the, the amateur. amateur I didn't know we were calling the British Am the amateur championship now, but I guess it makes sense with the Open Championship. And then gets into uh, the U.S. Open and the U.S. Amateur guys, and uh, I mean, pretty good win. <laughs> quite a list there. Uh, he also joins uh, the amateur champion, which is Aldrich. Potagaiter, I think is how you pronounce that last name. Uh, 
the USAM champion, Sam Bennett, U.S. amateur runner-up, Ben Carr, U.S. mid-am champion, Matthew McLean, Asia-Pacific amateur champion, Harrison Crow, and the NCAA men's champion, Gordon Sargent, which was the special invitation into the Masters. So you will see all of those amateurs in the Masters. You brought this up in our group text, T-Dub. What's the over-under on amateurs to make the cut in this year's Masters? I'm putting it two and a half, guys. and That's high. I, I, it is high. I'm going to probably say the under just because it seems like the last couple of years there's been two to three to even sometimes five amateurs. I think I saw one year that made it. So just seems like some of these guys just don't have – they feel like they have nothing to lose, right? So they can go out there and do everything. But at the same time, Augusta is the ultimate course, it seems like, to where you need to know how to play it to do it. So I'm going to go with under. I'll say two players do it. But uh, I could easily see where a third or fourth gets in, Woody. I – yeah, because we got a number this year. We've got a few more than what you normally would have. So I, I think you could have upwards of three make it this time. I mean, if I was doing the over and under, I'd go three. I, I would still go under. I think Sam Bennett probably makes it just because he is by far and away the best off of this list. And then Gordon Sargent has a chance. You know he's not going to – we talked about it with Austin Ekro. You know he's not going to be scared. He just won the NCAA championship as a freshman. Yeah. You know, So he's not going to be scared. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, guys. I, I love the amateur aspect. I, I hope they continue to invite the NCAA champion, champion into the Masters. We talked about the list of guys the past 10 years. I think that – the NCAA list is definitely better than the USAM runner-up list, um, even though it's probably definitely harder to finish runner-up in the USAM than yeah. it is to you know win the NCAA's. But still, the names you can't you can't dispute the Bryson DeChambeau's, the Matt Wolf's, the we can go on down the list. Uh, any other thoughts on the Latin America Amateur Championship, well, T-Dub? Just to your point about hoping that Augusta continues the amateur trend, I believe they will just because of Bobby Jones. But here's just some names of guys that have finished low amateur, and a lot of these are just recent. You have Victor Hovland, you have uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantley, Hideki Matsuyama, Ryan Moore, Ricky Barnes, Sergio Garcia, Matt Kuchar, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. So, I mean, it's just it seems to be a common trend to where if you get in this event and you play well as an amateur, Woody, it seems like you're going to have pretty decent success, not just on this course, but in your golfing career. Career. Most definitely, and it, it, it screams that every time. But I, I wanted to tell Sam, don't feel bad that we forgot this because there's right. a there's, there's a, a lot, lot of golf going there's on a right lot now. Lot of golf, so going much on. golf. I mean, I had a, it's a, it's not the exact same, but I had somebody the other day sent me a text said, "Are you going to the funeral?" And I said, well, "Who died? <laughs> <laughs> who died? <laughs> you know, so so it can happen, my friend. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't somebody that was a close family friend or anything. Don't give me guys. Everybody, they, these guys are looking at me now. Guys going like you heartless son of a. You know, no, no, no. But, but there's nothing that feels worse than you get a text like that. You go into the funeral. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> what? Who died? Yeah, <laughs> you know. So that's kind of like that golf tournament. I mean, we missed it, but a lot of people did. I think. You know who you cannot miss in Oklahoma City. That is Quail Creek Bank. Woody, why don't you go ahead and tell us about our friends at Quail Creek Bank. Well, the golf season gotten started, and Sam, you saw it best where the advertisement that we saw on the Sony. Quail Creek Bank is a golf-friendly bank, but they're also a people-friendly bank. We've said it. Every time you call there, every time you go there, you're talking to somebody, and they've always got a smile on their face. They're always happy to see you. They've got no ATM fees, okay? They've got all the loan 
possibilities you could use, whether it be a home loan, car loan, small business loan. If you want them to know your name, you want to go to a bank where they know your name, how about Quail Creek Bank? It's located right there on 122nd and North May Avenue. We've said it all along. Go see them. Go change. If you're looking to change banks, go to Quail Creek. Stay with us here. We're going to hit a break, but after the break, we're going to get into live news. We're going to get into the American Express Championship, our picks for the American Express. If you want to use your American Express to bet on some picks this week, we have your answers coming up here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. And we are back rolling along here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Go get all of your local golf news from GolfOklahoma.org. Kim McLeod and Chris Swafford doing a heck of a job. They'll be covering the Corn Ferry event out here at Jimmy Austin in June. They'll be covering the Live event up in Tulsa in May, guys. A couple of smaller stories uh, before we get to the Live news and some other things. Uh, TaylorMade continues its barrage of signings, adding Aaron Wise. They also signed Nelly Corda of the LPGA. Um, you know, just talking, we talked a little bit about this on our initial show of 2023, Woody. Just what does it entail when you change companies? And, and for a guy like Aaron Wise, who is rolling right now, probably one of the more consistent players on the PGA Tour, is this going to be a big deal? Is it going to actually help, considering he's probably changing uh, to a better brand or, or is it you know different even if you consider taylor made the better brand well and that's the the million dollar question we talked about this before the golf balls now are almost all the same it doesn't really matter like it used to the clubs basically the same thing and with all the different technology we have now with track mans and everything that they've got at all these locations and most of them are located out there in San Diego. I know Callaway is, Titleist is, TaylorMade is. Right. Uh, those guys, anytime I went to TaylorMade to do my fitting, there was always a, a you know, four or five tour pros in there. And it's it just not that big a deal anymore. These guys can switch at will, and I think it, I think they can play with whatever nowadays. The balls are, like I said, are all the same. The, the equipment's basically the same. T-Dub's always said it's the shaft, and I couldn't agree with him more. Once they get the right shaft in the head, it doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah, I feel like the the thing that's the hardest is is the ball change, right? Because the thing back before balls were all the same, 
It was you could your ball could balloon in the wind differently. It could it could react differently around the greens. And unless you're someone like like Tiger was, right, who said that he was going to use a less spinny ball for these the exhibition events to get a little bit more distance. But he knows that when he goes out and plays in a major, he's going to need to use that softer ball. So I think the ball change. But but you're exactly right, Woody, because now. You don't have to just go grab the, the TP5X or the Pro V1X off the shelf. You can use the six-year-old Pro V1 if you want to because they're all different models. So, yeah, you can really get it tailored to any way that you want. I will say that there, there can be a little bit of, of just a trust factor there, especially if you put in all new clubs, right? Unless You, could, you can do two things. You're either going to have a honeymoon effect where you just play out your ass, or there could be a little time where it takes get a bit of adjusting. But generally now, it's a lot easier transition than it was probably even back in your day, Woody, for sure. Well, and that the biggest change that they have to adjust to and and what you'll see that our amateur listeners need to pay attention to just because you see guys playing the pro v1x doesn't mean you should because in most cases the x balls where it's the tp5 or the pro v1x that's for higher swing speeds okay softer swing speeds that x doesn't help you in fact it'll cause the ball to fall out of the sky and most amateurs just think well they're all playing that pro v1x well no not all of them some play the pro v1 and and that's what they need to do again it's going back to a your local facility that would test you can get on a track man and see it if the spin rates will tell you what it is if that ball's falling out of the sky or not so that's the only thing i tell them be a little bit be aware of um you know the bridgestone tricks on those are all good balls too so well hey. and, and what do you make such a good point because how many amateurs want to hit their drive and just see it roll 80 yards and just yeah. let it run because but people don't realize well their ball could be carrying 30 yards further and a lot of people don't really realize this but you want your drive taking a big first bounce but you don't really want it running that much because then it, it's hard to keep the ball in the fairway right sam especially for someone that's at 380 like you do yeah i mean the more there's two things I want in a ball, and when I'm a high-power player, high-speed player, I don't want much spin because the more it spins, the more it curves offline. That's number one, and you're right. If it runs too much, or it, I don't like that around the green, really, so it's kind of a catch-22, Woody, yeah. Yeah. where I don't want much spin, but I also... I, I like the spin around the green, and I like uh, the fact that, you know, when I do fly it a long ways, I don't want it running into the rough. You right. know what I mean? Right. And so I, I think that's kind of the million-dollar question, T-Dub, if you can find a ball that actually does all those things. People search for it all the time. It's like the holy grail. You know, what's, right. the, what's the perfect launch angle for the perfect spin to get the perfect amount of distance? And, and again, but we all think back. Bob Rotella wrote a book, Golf's Not a Game of Perfect. Uh, Hayden Buckley might have had the perfect spin on the 18th hole didn't keep his ball from rolling up and getting the edge yeah, the rough it's that's golf that's golf. what it is guys if you don't if you want to play a sport where it's fair don't play golf that's a true statement's never been said <laughs> no doubt about it guys let's transition here big news coming out of the live camp uh david Faraday told a crowd uh i'm not exactly sure where this was I, I think it was at an event in florida um he said i may get fired for this but he tells the crowd that live is nearing a deal with the cw network and now it's confirmed that live golf has secured a multi-year broadcast deal with the nation's fifth largest broadcast company in the United States. That's the CW. It's known for airing superhero dramas, and, and I don't know a whole lot else about it, but it, ha it has you know teen dramas, but it does have 220 U.S. affiliates, which I think is a huge deal, guys, because if we look at the Sony Open this past week, 
TV views dropped 38% from 2022. The trend is that live is going up and the PGA Tour viewership is going down. And I know it's just the Sony Open. You can say, hey, it's just the Sony Open. Wait until our elevated events. But tour sponsors have been highly displeased with all of this Woody since Live Golf took over and now the fact that Live Golf now has their network that it's going to be on TV and on you know basic cable that is a major major deal because it's going to bring the older viewership into it it's going to bring you know people that may not have you know done all the things they need to do to go onto YouTube and watch Live Golf now they're going to be able to just flip on their TV and watch Live Golf and there's big names. We forget about that. The Bryson DeChambeau's of the world, the Brooks Kepkas of the world aren't going to play as bad as they did last year their entire career. Live Golf has names, and people are going to flip on their TV and watch this to kind of wrap this up before you guys give your thoughts. The financial details were not disclosed, although it's expected to be a revenue-sharing setup often entered into with broadcast partners with newer sports leagues. T-Dub, what are your overall thoughts about this whole situation? Well, it seems like that it's, like you mentioned earlier, it's a good thing because it's good exposure because for anyone probably listening, like, what the hell is the CW network? It's it's channel 34 if you have basic cable or even like a uh, direct TV, anything like that. It's usually the channel right above Fox. So you mentioned it was the fifth. I'm going to assume that Fox, CBS, ABC, and NBC were all the, the guys. So, yeah, you probably right. weren't going to get one of those four guys to go on to it just because of all the, the PR stuff around it. So, yeah, for them to get CW and, like I said, the, the full financials have not been determined, but it seems like that they're not going to have to, to pay for these rights, which was something that that's revenue like, sharing, which I, I yeah, would assume you, that Liv takes the majority of that money. Yeah, it would be that would be interesting know, to see what it comes out to. Is, was it going to be a 90 10? But nevertheless, Liv's still not necessarily paying them up front to if I had to bet on it, it's not 50 50. No, th- no, there's going to be some some lean towards the other way for sure. But I don't know, Woody. I think that that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good deal. And I'll be interested to see how much the broadcast is different from when it was on YouTube. Are we going to have is it going to be overloaded with commercials? I hope it's not going to happen. But, I mean, what else are we going to see? Is it going to be pretty much the same product we saw? I mean, or is it going to be something? already told us when we did our podcast with him, look, we're going to have commercials eventually. It's how we pay. I mean, you have to. Look. you got to pay your nut that way. But if you look at it, I, we said two things, two things. We got to get television and we got to get rating points. We got to get national right. points. Ranking points yeah. Yeah, yeah, we got to get them. Those two things are going to make or break. It's been a rough. Let me tell you something. Since we're gonna, we're gonna be honest with our reporting. It's been a rough little couple of months for the live no tour. Doubt. No They've doubt. lost two top executives. There's been a lot of talk about Greg Norman being booted. There hasn't been a lot of over the top good press coming out. We still don't have the full schedule. Okay, and and having said that. We haven't really had any new people come out. Mito is supposed to sign, but we had talked about the end of December we were going to see a lot of PGA guy go, and they didn't. So, however, saying all that, if you look at the tours so far, we've only played two events. We're getting ready to go to our third. Is the tour turning into PGA A and PGA B? And that's a question to you guys because – Morikawa and Rom fought it down in the tournament of uh, qualifying. <laughs> okay. yeah. We had Hayden Buckley and Kim. A lot of people would go, who? You know, yeah. but they're still quality golfers. Yeah, no leads. doubt. But I'm saying, is this what we're going to see? 
Well, I mean, we, we can just look at the field this week, and I think that you'll see that the PGA Tour players will try to get a little bit, like the higher guys will try to get in some of these lower events because, I mean, this week the American Express, it's not an elevated event. You have Rom, Scheffler, Cantlay, Shoffley, Finau, Zalatoris, Cam Young. It's a great field. Unbelievable And, and it's field. not an elevated field. So I, I do think we'll see those events. But look events. at the bottom half. I, 100%. Sam, you're absolutely right there. I mean, it's it, it, it can get a little bit worse, but at the same time, a lot of these events have been that way for the course of no doubt. decades No, now, and I, so. I, I'm not debating that part of it the part that i would say is that the top names on live are very very comparable to the top names on the pga tour week in and week out that's why they have to get official world golf ranking points number one i think it's a joke that they don't have it yet the fact that dustin johnson is outside the top 40 is an absolute travesty i'll keep saying it. i know that i'm beating a dead horse but the horse keeps running somehow, guys. And and we got to get official World Golf ranking points to guys like Cam Smith, Taylor Gooch, and Dustin Johnson. But this TV deal right here absolutely puts Liv in the game to become PGA Tour B. Right now, I would consider it 70-30 PGA Tour. And well, it's only going up. And the mm-hmm. PGA Tour is only going down for right now. To your point, too, Sam... PGA Tour ratings have gone down the last five to six years. And how you know that that's not just a golf thing, it's PGA Tour thing. Look at all the other golf markets that have increased over this time. So it's it's weird. It's an inverse thing that really shouldn't be happening. The PGA Tour ratings should be going up. And and I get there was a time where you had the Tiger phase and all that. And maybe, maybe you look at, yeah, 2019 probably will get more viewers than, than maybe a lot of years because Tiger wins the Masters, so that gets a lot of people attracted. But the, the decline had been steady over a decent amount of time. It's not just a one-year sample size thing that's going on. So you got to look at the overall landscape of golf to say that, yeah, the PJ Tour should probably be doing something a little better when it comes to broadcasting their product, Woody. Well, it, it, we're, we're going to watch as this, this year starts to unfold. We talked about it last week. What are they going to play? Those, those guys in, that aren't in the elevated events, they have to play three other events. One of the reasons why I think this field is so strong, guys, is because of the weather. And we spoke about that before the show started, that I think a lot of guys love to go to Palm Springs because the weather's perfect. They yeah. can work on their games. It's and not so, Hawaii where it's windy. Uh, yeah, you just never not know. Not a tough trip. Exactly. And Torrey Pines can be the same thing, you know. Yeah. You want to go early in the year. If you're going to play a golf tournament, that's also you're guaranteed four rounds So before there's a cut. So I think that's why a lot of these guys went there I, I i truly believe that i'd like we're going to watch as the year unfolds where are they going to go with those three events well this one didn't surprise me well and also too you look at it now that the way the major schedule is constructed you have a major for us four majors in four months right so i would seriously doubt that any players during that stretch will play non-elevated events during that time because yeah. the elevated events there will That's take what they need to play up there so it's like if we can go ahead and get one of them knocked out of the way in january it's like you might as well i was actually a little bit surprised that more people didn't stay at the Sony who played in Kapalua just to get it out of the way. Yeah, it, and it's kind of, uh, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other because, you know, it, it, the live guys are going to have to play events in between majors now. They have to. It's yeah. under They're under contract to do that, but they get the longer off season. Which yeah. one would you guys rather have? Uh, you know, that's the thing. I, I like the longer off season because yeah. it didn't seem like you ever had one. So I, I would rather go that way. Um I think with all this is all this going on. I, I, here's another question I had to ask you guys: What do you think about Azinger's statement 
about the Terror Advisory Board. I, I can play that. I was that. shocked I was that he said that. I was a little that. shocked that he said I, I think, that on I think, air, too. I think it was 100% right, but I, think, I, I was just shocked to hear it. I think that he <laughs> messed up a little bit. I don't think he really thought that through before he <laughs> no, said he that. No, he definitely did not. Let, you me, know, let, but me, he, let me play this real that, quick. That's Azinger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the reason he said that is because Adam Scott is now going to be on the pleasure right, That's why right, it was brought right, up. Right. That is, that's what got it all started. But it was interesting, I thought. Back is that first step toward consulting the PGA Tour board and the commissioner on issues uh, dealing yeah. with the tour? I was on that pack for 13 years. I, I thought it was a colossal waste of time. But you think you're achieving things. But <laughs> <laughs> really? Ah, uh, yeah. Hi, well, you're sitting in that chair, to be honest. Guys, he realized that he goes, well, it might be different now. <laughs> He's like, oh, I, I messed up pretty bad. Woody, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, I, I was able to know Azinger a little bit, and Azinger's not a fire. He's not afraid to fire from the hip, which is why I think he's a great announcer. I think he's fun to listen to, but... What what you have there is a brutal moment of honesty, guys. And, and for the most part, we've I've told some stories about when I went to a couple of meetings of the PGA Tour, and and what a joke it was because they'll tell me it's my tour when I was a member of it. When I was a member of the PGA Tour, it was my tour. Really? I, I never felt that way in any way, shape, or form that I had anything to do with the PGA Tour. And so that's what Azinger, I think Azinger knows that 13 years he sat there. And 13 years, they might have had some great ideas, but in 13 years, nothing happened that Tim Fincham and Dean, Dean Beeman right. and now Jay Monahan didn't want to happen. It's not until you actually get the great tiger involved that now the commissioner is not the almighty no he's a figurehead he is a figurehead up there but he if you think this guy's calling the shots you are you're nuts so for people that don't know what he's talking about what is the advisory board I mean, how would but, you explain it? Well, basically, it, it, it's like a board of directors at a country club, so to speak. Uh, and the president of the club, it'd be Jay Monahan. And so you've got these 12 guys that are all members of the PGA Tour. Players. That they sit players, that they sit in a room at least twice a year, uh, which is kind of bogus. How many players it, would you venture on a board, Woody? How many are on yeah, that yeah, board? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that there is 11 or 12 on the Players Advisory Board. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's the number, somewhere right around there. And those guys, listen to me, they go and they go to these meetings and they talk about television. They talk about tournaments. They talk about prize money. They talk about a lot of things, but they really don't ever feel like they get anything done. That's why Easinger was saying that. And I'm sure Paul would have never said that if he didn't feel that way now he got caught in a weak moment or do you think he's maybe a little not jealous but maybe he sees how they're getting things done now quicker and it kind of bugs him oh i think i I, let me tell you something the hardest thing in life is if you want to look back and then compare Boy, you're going to be a frustrated son of a gun your whole life. You, you you cannot go back. If I had to tell you guys one thing, and I'm the old man, but for goodness sakes, I, if I could give you one quote, you can glance at the past. 
you better focus on the future because you can't change the past. You can learn a little bit from it, but dwelling on it is the worst thing you can do because it's just never going to change. It's going to eat you alive. So focus on the future. Paul Azinger is still, there's a lot of Paul Azinger that's thinking, how much could I have made? Yeah. Well, he doesn't want to look at what he would have made because I had that friend of mine do it, tell me what I would have made. The peon that I was was right. I would have made millions with Tiger Woods. I didn't even get to a million dollars with my my record. So, it, it you can't do it. You cannot do it. And T Dub, I think it's just ironic that this comes from a zinger on NBC, <laughs> right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, because. It, they are so careful about criticizing the PGA Tour Ooh. to a fault, I think, is the nicest way to put it. I think that we can all agree on that, whether you're on the PGA Tour side or live side of everything. I think it's ironic that he said this on NBC because it was a weak moment. I don't think he thought it through, T-Dub, but isn't this the reason why guys, a lot of guys are going to live because live would have never even existed or the money would have never even existed if these guys were happy. Well, it's just to the point, like, Azinger wasn't just some guy who just never played. I mean, he played on the tour for, what, two decades. He won 12 PGA Tour events, won a PGA Championship. I mean, yeah. and for him to be that accomplished to still say those things, I think it's pretty damn telling that it shows that, like, what he was talking about said he didn't feel like he was in tour. Well, you would think that someone, uh, some player has to feel like they're in charge. <laughs> if Paul Azinger doesn't, who does? No, it was it was never that. And, and for goodness sakes, when you're a rookie in your first year and you happen to ask Bill Calfee at the, Nash, at the big event at the tournament, players championship where we went to the big meeting and there was 30 guys in the room that's all that showed up that was all wow. the pros that showed up wow. and this moron woody asked to ask about the tpc courses they came down on me boys like i was almost a the most evil person you'd ever watch <laughs> they they just surrounded me what'd you I say mean, about I the was, tbc courses i said I, hey i'd like to know a little bit more about the tbc courses so can is there any chance i can get some numbers on those and they That's hated it. you for it. That's it. And, man, all of a sudden I had, uh, we'll get back to you. And when that meeting was over, there's two or three of them came down on me. And they, the first question is, why do you want to see that? And I said, well, my background, gentlemen, is I'm actually a club professional. I got lucky and qualified for the PGA Tour. But I was a club professional <laughs> for 10 years. I, these are TPC courses that we own, right? Yeah. And they go, well, the tour owns them. That's when it made it clear to me, well, am I not? Part of the tour, I got this little money. <laughs> I got this little money clip you guys gave me because I played really good for five days. So, am I not a member of the tour? <laughs> you know, the, 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 that's when it first hit me, and then they said, "Well, we'll get back to you with all that." Do you think I ever saw one still number? Still this day, you still haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't seen anything. All I saw was a scowl. Yeah, and, 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 and like I told you guys earlier, it seemed like I didn't try to piss off people, but I boy, I had a way of just doing it. <laughs> His secret talent. I just, just walk in a room and there's somebody irritated. I went okay, boys. Well, speaking of the PGA Tour, we do have. The American Express this week, which used to be the Bob Hope Still Classic. Still is the Bob Hope. Still I is don't the Bob care Hope. what the sponsor pays the most. Woody told us before the show that he has a great Bob Hope story. Woody, would you care to share about your time at PGA West? Well, it, we were actually playing La Quinta Country okay. Club. And it, it, this is literally the first round of this golf tournament. And, and Larry Fryer, who had been the head pro at Quail Creek for all, a number of years, 
uh, his son wanted to caddy for me. So I said, sure, Hank, let's do it this week because we got four amateurs. We're, I'm guaranteed four rounds of golf, so it'll be a good week for him. Well, you are playing with amateurs, which back there they still do, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, we tee off the first hole at La Quinta Country Club. I drive it in the right fairway bunker. One of the amateurs drives it in the right fairway bunker. At the time, I am playing a max fly ball that we talked about on the show, how good a ball it was. But, guys, we didn't have magic markers all over yeah. them. What we did is took a little pencil, and you just put a, a very minute dot by your number. That's how you dent. did just yeah. nothing almost. Yeah. Uh, and that's how you figured out it was your ball. Well, I play number one. In fact, I make birdie on the first hole. I'll never forget that. I tee off number two. Out I'm of the fairway the bunker. Yeah, out of the bar- fairway bunker. It's Pretty a par- good. Well, it was a, it was a par five. <laughs> I don't care. Still I good. laid up and then hit a good wave. But, <laughs> but then I tee off number two. I knock it up on the green on number two. And one of my amateur partners chips up while I'm up kind of near the hole. And as this ball rolls up, I look down at that ball, and it's exactly the same ball I'm playing. And guess who was in the right fairway bunker with Woody on the first hole? That guy. This guy. And I mean, I mean, the probably the blood just rushed out of my whole body. God, I, I go, when your heart drops. Oh, I was just sick. And I said, "Would you mind? Can I see your ball?" After he marked it, and he hands me his ball, and we look at it, and my caddy goes, "Friar's son goes, what are you doing?" I said, "Look, look at the ball." <laughs> and he goes oh, that sounded bad look at these balls um, put, that on, they put were, that on the sounder uh, yeah they were sweaty balls uh, <laughs> anyway um we were just looking at each, and dumbfounded and i said oh geez because I, I, I didn't know what the heck to do well i called an official and sure enough the official came in and he goes woody you don't know whose ball that you don't know which ball was yours and i said i gotta be honest i don't I didn't. They looked exactly the same. And he goes, well, he kind of puts his head down. He goes, we're going to have to disqualify you. Golly. And I went, well. After one hole. After one hole. <laughs> well, really two holes, but I didn't get to par that hole. I, I had a putt for birdie. I never putted out because I got disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> and I told you guys so it was So you hit, what, seven, six shots? I hit six shots. Six shots <laughs> in a 90-hole golf tournament. Yeah, and I hit six shots. And so now, well, we can't fill in my spot so being that i had gotten fined in 1990 in such a bad way i thought i better volunteer to go ahead and i played believe it or not i played the rest of that round with my group and then the next three days with the other groups so they'd have a pro in their group and it wouldn't mess up the whole deal so it was a it was a great five-day vacation i drank a lot of whiskey I smoked a lot of cigars. I was a very happy guy. Other than the fact, I wasn't going to make a check. Uh, but other than that, it was pretty good. My, so, Well, that is that was back when the tournament, they played five rounds, too. So right. you played four rounds of essentially golf that really didn't matter. Pro-Am golf. And that's when I figured out a long time. I should have known right then I wasn't going to be a tour player. I'm a pro-Am golfer. I, <laughs> that was when I it all really changed. had a lot of fun that four days. I really did. Plus, my sponsor lived out there. So I was staying at his house. So I, I really didn't have a hotel that I was paying for or anything else. So it makes it sound like I was a really great guy. Not, not so much. How was that conversation when you went back to the sponsor? Like, how'd you do today? Oh, I did great. I got disqualified. <laughs> six, all, six shots. Shot one under. <laughs> yeah, shot one under. <laughs> you know, he, he was such a good dude. He, he, did, he was actually at the golf course. Uh, he was watching me. And when oh, he no. saw all the officials coming like, up what and the hell happened? Else, he was going, 
what did he do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's one of those dumb golf rules. It's so yeah. stupid. He knew me well enough to know that I, there's no telling what I could have done. That Why would an official be out there? But long story short, I told him on number uh, 3T, here's what we got. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to play the rest of the day. Go get me a beer. Uh, no, no, um, anyway, it was just one of those Woody stories. So, that, Woody, what was it in the rule that made you disqualify instead of getting the two-shot penalty? Is because you teed off on two? Was you that teed off was? on two. You finished the hole. If I would have recognized it on one, I would have been a two-shot penalty. But once I put the peg in the ground and hit it off number two, now I'm immediately disqualified. So even if if you it fin- was a two-shot penalty, you would have had to go back to the fairway bunker, right? Or Actu- not? Actually, no. I would have okay. just had two shots added to my scores, and then I better trade balls. Gotcha. <laughs> but, but the thing Which just was, would have been a bogey. That's it, so, that's so uh, stupid. So, but what's so bad, guys, if, if you would have looked at these two golf balls, I, I wanted so badly to be able to say, yeah, it's my ball. But I couldn't. I could not honestly and sleep at night say <laughs> – yeah, that's my ball. And that's what everybody would say to me. He said, why don't you just lie? See, I, well, I, I, don't know, see, I didn't want to lie. I get how it could have been a disqualification, <laughs> like if you, like a Pro V1, Pro V1X because of the one ball rule. Right. But if it's the exact same ball and you're teeing off on the second hole, it seemed, that seems a little ludicrous to me. But they, the bottom line was is which ball was mine. And you had no idea. Didn't yeah. have an idea. So the way they said it is you were playing the wrong ball. Yep. It didn't matter if it was the same kind of ball or a wholly different If it was yep. a wholly different ball, I really should be stupid. But, I mean, it was a carbon copy, exact number, same mark. He, In fact, the guy and I talked about it. Now, you talk about a guy that felt bad. That amateur oh, oh, I was just sick. And I had to spend, you know, a lot of counseling time for him for the first night. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's all right. Quit. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's just that's golf. It just, just happens. stuff happens. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Well, Woody, before we get to the favorites for this week at the American Express, just tell us a little bit more about those courses that they're going to see this week. I know we've seen them for years, but, you know, what are some maybe nuances about them? The, the, they're the, really easy. It, well, uh, you know well, why they're easy? Because the weather is perfect, gentlemen. For anybody that hadn't been to Palm Springs, if you're a golfer, Palm Springs is a place to be, especially in the dead of winter. It, it, you're going to play immaculate golf courses. They're going to have the pins set up in pretty relatively easy spots because why? we the got amateurs. amateurs. Yeah. you got to get everybody around. That's the thing. There's so much activity going on. It's it's kind of a nut house, uh, you know, and, and – when we do our follow-up show, I have another Bob Hope classic story <laughs> that my caddy still laughs to this day. But the golf courses are uniquely different because I still think they play that Palmer course, or they might yep. play the stadium course it's, now. I know. I think they I think play the, the Palmer. They play, they play the stadium course as well. And they play them both. Yeah, they, okay. play, they play the Nicholas, the Palmer, and the, the stadium, I believe. Now, Woody, wasn't the stadium course the course that – all the PJ Tour pros in the late '80s threw a big fit that they they were, oh. had a tournament. They had a was it a PJ Tour event there for one year, and they said we're never coming back here again. Well, yeah, it was just impossible. I mean, it was diabolical Pete Dye on steroids. That that we there's bunkering that was so deep and so nasty that you couldn't even fathom how bad it was if you were used to not seeing it. I mean, it was it was a culture shock, is what it was. And like any good PGA Tour pro. 
Heaven forbid that they don't get their way. They were millennials long before millennials ever existed. <laughs> the PGA Tour Pro was spoiled rotten. And if you did anything that looked like it wasn't like it was supposed to be, they would raise their hand and go, well, we're not going to play here anymore. Like, this is our sandbox, and so, we're not going to come play in it. I'm reading this story here. I guess it's PGA West Stadium. Yes. La Quinta Country Club and the Nicholas course this year. Right. So right. no Palmer course. No Palmer, no Palmer course, course, I don't think. Well, and, and the one that happened to me where I got disqualified was the La Quinta Country Club, which is, is probably the coolest of those three. Not that I didn't like the Palmer or the stadium. I, I had bad vibes with the stadium because I missed my qualifying Is it all the same facility? Or not? Yeah, all those are in the same. Not La Quinta Country Club. It's That's separated. Different? Okay. Yeah, those, How far the, away is that? Probably a thirty-minute drive. Okay, forty-five really? minute drive. Is yeah, that, it's well, it's more down. That's got to be different than yeah, playing a tournament. You know, with a course thirty minutes away. Well, it is, and and they got to kind of plan for it. I mean, this the stadium course and all that PGA stuff was kind of out in the middle of nowhere when they first built it. And La Quinta Country Club is in La Quinta, California, where all those courses are, but it's built up so much since. I was there. I mean, it's crazy how much traffic there is now. There. And, and Woody, when you have three courses like this, like this week they're playing the stadium course, La Quinta, Nicholas, and then back to the stadium course. When you're playing your practice rounds, do you just play the stadium course and say, I'll figure the other two out or what? Pretty much. You know, that's the thing. You never want to go to a golf tournament wear yourself out before the golf tournament starts. So whenever you're playing multiple golf courses, what you try to figure which one do they play the most? And there's stadium, the stadium, stadium. Yeah. So you go with the stadium. La Quinta Country Club is pretty, pretty, pretty simple. It's right there in front of you. It's very tight. It's so much different than those other ones. Um, so you got to drive the ball really straight. But other than that, it's it's right in front of you. There's no tricks. So I, it's pretty. I think easy. his point, Woody's point about the weather being the reason why they go so low is really interesting because in your mind you're just kind of thinking, oh, it's resort golf out there, right. but it's not. No, it's, it's it's these golf courses are hard. They're not they're not easy golf courses, but they're going to have the pins, like I said, in pretty easy positions. Uh, the weather it shouldn't ever be but anything but perfect. Now, every now and then you can get what they call the Santa Anas that will blow, and when you get wind in the desert, you get a gale. You don't get just a breeze. Right. It, it's either dead calm or it looks like a hurricane. Woody, one thing I find interesting is that so for the first three rounds, they have to keep the pins in the same spots on each course. They Pretty can't much. change them. Pretty so much. by the time you get to Saturday on a course that's been at the same location for three rounds, including amateurs, does it get a little beat up? A little more so than usual? They'll they, not believe it or not, it really wouldn't be as bad as you think. They'll put them within about two or three to four feet. But so they change them each day. They change them each day. It's not the exact them, hole. Not the exact hole. And the other thing is, is what's amazing is. You give that that green that night to rest, and then you come out and mow it and roll it. It's perfect. Yeah. Till you get 150 people. Right. On it. Yeah. <laughs> then it's not so perfect. So right. uh, you know it, it can be, but the good thing about that deal too is is if you think about it, because there's three different golf courses, they're not all on that same golf course, right? Yeah. You're playing La Quinta. I'm playing PGA West, uh, and. First, we move around. So there's not as much traffic, even though there's still quite a bit because it's not just pros, there's amateurs. So, yep. And we all know an amateur is not the best to pick his feet up. 
Yeah. No, they, that's the damn right. They can be a little bit ugly on a green. So, but these guys know that when when you sign up for a pro am, you know what you're getting. Yeah. So for for a pro to go, well, I really just don't like playing with amateurs. Then you shouldn't play in the golf tournament. Do you think this more. tournament might have a better field, or the, some of these top guys are playing because their sponsors want to play with them? A lot of it can be that same way pebble beach used to be that way in a big way the at&t right. was that's always more celebrities that now yeah. though yeah. yeah the at&t used to be that way for sure that's what they they the, the when ben crosby did it was clam bake it was a party yeah and, and so that's what you're trying to do you're bringing all your sponsors all the people that you care about are going to be part of your team those top names are favorites according to data golf this week uh at the american express are john rom scotty scheffler both have over a 10% chance to win this golf tournament. It's rare that you see two guys take up 20% of the chance to win the golf tournament, T-Dub. Uh, the other guys to round out the top five are Cantlay, Shoffley, and Finau. Also, Zalatoris, who's coming back off the back injury in there at sixth as well. Uh, do you think one of those top five are going to win this golf tournament, T-Dub? If, if you had the bet on it, you would say so, because generally someone kind of out of nowhere can win this tournament, but usually there's not this many top great players that are in the field. So, yeah, I'll definitely take one of those one of those top guys to win it. And like you mentioned earlier, Sam, once you get towards the, the bottom half of the leaderboard, it's not it's not necessarily the best that, that we've ever seen. So it's a very top-heavy field, and I expect that to, to be how the leaderboard looks on Sunday, Woody. I totally agree, but it is a very strong field for not one of their elevated events. A very no strong doubt. Maybe field. one of the strongest they'll have all year. Yeah, yeah probably. Well, like, like, I think Tory's not an elevated event, so maybe something right. like that would beat it. But comparatively, this can be one of the top three or four, no I doubt. guarantee it. You're not going to see this field, you know, at the John Deere's of the world. Or Rocket Mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. no. And especially when we got what's Phoenix and the LA Open coming up Genesis they're both elevated yeah. so so these guys are going to they're going to mold kind of move that direction they'll play here or they'll play at Tory and then they won't play who do you like this week Woody I'm going really kind of out there but I'm going with that lefty that you always pick that Brian Harmon I think I think I think he could he's always played good there. His record there, you guys will pull up those stats better than I can, but his record there is strong and these golf courses because they're not overly long and they're relatively easy from the standpoint of conditions i like him i don't know why he's just my long shot woody you stole my pick you well, stole my see, one and done pick that means i must be getting better at this one and done stuff if i'm stealing one of your it's either picks. great minds think alike or dumbass minds think alike well, i'm not sure <laughs> which one both. it is <laughs> it might be it's a little bit of both <laughs> but but to the point why i'm picking him he's played this event i believe 10 times and six out of the last seven years, he has not finished worse. He only has one finish worse than 21st. Out of all, third, eighth, 21st, miscut, 20th, 3rd, 11th. So, been playing exceptionally well. And, like, we've been documenting on this podcast for the last how many ever months, how much better he's been playing really since the middle of 2022. So, he had back-to-back second-place finishes in the fall. Played pretty decent last week, finished 32nd. Didn't have a, a very good Saturday. But, nevertheless, Sam, I expect uh, Brian Harmon to keep his good form going with one of the best caddies on the tour, Scott Twain. Yeah, if we look at the leaderboard from last year, Hudson Swafford wins at 23 under. You had Tom Hoagie, Brian Harmon, Lonto Griffin. Uh, you know, Molinari was up there. My point here is the big names, like John Rahm, they finished, you know, tied for 14th or worse, okay? And so I think that you might see a winner that's a little bit off the radar, but what do I say this time of year, guys? I'll go ahead and give my one-done pick here. This time of year, you look for guys with good recent form because you don't know what guys have done over the quote-unquote offseason and you look for good course history that to me is obvious 
Siwoo Kim. He won last week. He won here in 2021 at this golf tournament, at the American Express. I'm going Siwoo Kim. I'm going to ride the heater. I know he'll probably not win, but he, I'm going to go with the guy that shot, what, like over 20 under last week? Well, and, and you didn't. You called Hayden Buckley, and I thought you were nuts. Eighteen so, under last week. <laughs> so when you, well, I'm not going to say anything about your picks until you start showing me that you can tank like Woody. Well, see what uh, I but, did, Woody. Though I, I, went, I went with Hayden Buckley last week, which was off the radar. Now I go with the guy that won last week. Well, I know that uh, yeah. change the philosophy a little bit. Uh, you know, but hey, you well, know, do I don't you have a great feel this week. I never played a college tournament at La Quinta Country Club. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't have any record to go yeah. off of. Okay. <laughs> to, to your point, though, Sam, he has played here five times, and three of those, including his win, he finished ninth and 11th, the other two. So he must like this course a little bit, or at these least courses. like playing this time of year. Yeah, yeah I'm going with America. I'm tired of these Koreans. We had a Spanish win at Kapalua, then we had the South Korean win. I know. We, we need an American step it oh, up. We need a little USA. Let's that would be some. Scotty Scheffler is your top American this week. Really, it's John Rahm and then Scheffler, Cantlay, Shoffley, Finau, Zalatoris, Cam Young. Um, what do you guys think about Cam Young? It, it seems like Cam Young should have another breakout season, or do you think he's headed toward a sophomore slump? I think he's going to have a really good year. I think that one of the only things that will hold him back is he is one of the players that was announced to go to the Saudi International in mm-hmm. a couple of weeks, so – Maybe there's some friction there between what does he – because there was all the rumors of him going to live. So if, if he gets in a, a contract dispute or type of thing, depending on what he wants to play, that could be in the back of his head to not play well. There's but, rumors about Cam Young. I think he's probably staying on the PGA Tour. I do I, I, I do too. But that, that's really what I'm trying to say is that's the only way that I see him not playing good golf just because he drives the ball so well. Only one tournament going back to before the Masters has he lost strokes gain off the tee. He just drives the ball so well. And he's in, in my DraftKings lineup this week as well just because I think it's a tailor-made course for him. He played here last year. He finished 40th, so not the best. But you got to think. That was before even he had the second place at Riviera before he started coming on. So made the cut of the course when he was a rookie and then kept going on. So, yeah, I, I don't expect Cam Young to have very much of a sophomore. No doubt about it. Let's dive right into our DraftKings lineups. T-Dub, I'll start us off. My cheapest pick this week, I'm going really middle-loaded on DraftKings this week. I'm going Chris Kirk. Chris, don't call me Christian Kirk. I call him Christian all the time because of the Jags receiver. Uh, but Chris Kirk, 7,500. He... Finished top 10 last week. I'm going with recent form, 7,500. Give me Chris Kirk. We, we talked about him earlier in the show, and I think he's going to continue his good streak at 6,700. Absolute still. Give me Austin Eckrow. Finished 12th last week. Pick. I mentioned gain, strokes gain off the tee and putting. I think that will translate to this course because it seems like if you want to contend in this event, you got to have one of your three rounds traditionally at one of the easier courses where you just go low, and I think Austin will do that this week to get him a made cut. So I'm going to go 6,700 Austin Eckrow. Do you want to go back and forth, Sam, or do you want to we'll do – We'll just go back and forth okay. since it, we're the only ones doing the DraftKings lineups. Give me Ricky Fowler at 7,800. Ricky's swing looks really good. It seems like he's getting back on track. New video came out last week of the things that he's working on. Man, it looks the best he's ever swung it. Now he just needs to go out there and play golf and not golf swing. I'm going to keep putting him in my DraftKings lineup because he isn't very expensive, and eventually I think he's going to pop one week. 
I, I paid Ricky Fowler in this tournament last year in the one and done, and it was where my downfall ensued. I, I, I was never the same after that. It was absolutely atrocious pick, so there's no way that I could do that, even though I do hope that he plays some decent golf. At 7,200, I'm going to go Luke List. This is a guy who really likes this course. The last two years, he finished 21st, 22nd, has a sixth-place finish back in 2016, and he's just been driving the ball exceptionally well, very similar to Cam Young, just gained strokes off the tee every single week. But on the contrast of that, he never puts good. He puts absolutely horrible almost every single week. He hasn't gained strokes on the greens going all the way back to the Memorial, but he has in the seven times he's played this tournament, three times he's gained strokes gained on the greens. So I expect him to not be absolutely horrible on the greens this week. Sam, make a few putts and, and get me to the, the uh, Sunday round. I am going Davis Riley at 7,700. He hadn't teed it up since the RSM, so this is one of the guys I'm not going recent form with. I just believe that Davis Riley is going to have a huge year. He would have been up there in Rookie of the Year discussions last year if it weren't for Cam Young and Earth Degala. Uh, the guy can play, and I think that you know 7,700 is kind of that area on DraftKings where Taylor Gooch was when he really started popping and then getting up into the 8,000s on DraftKings and then the, even the 9,000s for some tournaments. I think you could see that kind of rise from Davis Riley this week, this year. I think that you know picking him this week in DraftKings, 7,700 is just too low. I expect Davis Riley to have a really good year as well. My next pick is the ultimate horse for course at the Bob Hope tournament. I thought about picking him in the one and done. I just don't think he's going to win. That's why I didn't. At 8,200, that's Adam Hadwin. He's played this tournament seven times, has made the cut every single one of them, and includes a second, uh, two seconds, a third, and a sixth in there. And he just plays this tournament every single well, every year exceptionally well. And looking back on it, he hasn't missed a cut, guys, going all the way back to the John Deere in July. He's made eight straight cuts, so go, and including that was a seventh in the last term he played at Houston in November. So as long as he hasn't had anything weird in the offseason happen, I expect Adam Havlin to have a top 15, top 20 week. I'm going with another guy that we haven't seen since the RSM, but the last two times at the RSM and the Cadence Bank Houston Open that we saw him, he gained a shot and a half on the field on the greens at the Cadence Bank and then gained a shot on the field at the RSM putting. Justin Rose is a guy that battled injuries last year. For him to be in the 7,000s on DraftKings, that's an absolute steal. Give me Justin Rose uh, this week. I think that might be your best value pick of the week. A little Justin Rose action. I, I would. That's another guy I like to see play exceptionally well. And it's just you forget how long he's been out there on, on the tour, right? He's been what thirty something years now. It seems like I remember nineteen ninety eight that Open where he hold down on eighteen. You know where has the time gone and all that. So I'm going to go up from eighty two hundred all the way to eighty three hundred. Another absolute steal this week. I think I've been on him a couple times. I'm going to keep on riding it. That's K H Lee. He's just been playing exceptionally well the last three years at this tournament. He's made the cut and he's playing by far the best golf he's played in his entire career. So a, a guy who wasn't playing very well making cuts at that course. I expect him to keep on going well. And I mentioned Adam Hadwin hasn't missed a cut in a while. Cage Lee has not missed a cut going all the way back to the Open Championship at St. Andrews. So I expect both of those streaks to keep on going pretty well. T-Dub, we talked about it with Austin Ekro earlier. What do you look for in a great player? That's a great driver of the golf ball and a great putter. And Taylor Montgomery, T-Dub, has only lost shots on the greens one time in his PGA Tour career. That's in about, that's in nine starts. And Taylor Montgomery continues to be one of the hottest players, up-and-coming guys on the PGA Tour. 8900 on DraftKings, kind of expensive for Taylor Montgomery, but I think he's worth it this week at, at a course where I think that that guy can really, really go low. Give me a guy that's a great driver and a great putter at a place that's going to be a birdie fest. 
Yeah, I mean, what what is Taylor Montgomery now? Is he in the top ten? He's thirteenth in the FedEx Cup ranking. So I mean, he he solidified himself to. I don't think there's a chance in hell that he could not have his PGA Tour card by the time it's all said. He might not be able to play the rest of the year and still have his tour card. So yeah, he's been doing exceptional stuff. I keep that going on. My next pick, we talked about him earlier. By the way, so- we we mentioned. Austin Eckrow earlier for Rookie of the Year. This is the guy leading Rookie of the Year. Right? 100%. You're absolutely right. Yeah, Austin will probably have to win once or twice to be able to get that going. My next pick, I talked about him earlier, so I don't have to uh, elaborate a whole lot. 9,100, Cam Young. I expect him to have a very good week. And then my most expensive pick, I put him in my one and done. Give me Siwoo Kim at 9,200. One last week. Let's ride the heater, boys. Uh, any other thoughts on our picks, Woody? Any other dark horse picks maybe for this week? Yeah, no, you guys are... I love listening to these DraftKings because you give me a lot of educated uh, information. Should I say? I, I I think you guys are spot on. I, I'm 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 going to enjoy watching what Austin does this week. I really am going to look for him to have a big week. And you know, T Dub and I both picked Taylor Montgomery to be the rookie of the year. So he's he it looks he's like he's solid yeah. right now. He's gonna. I can Austin catch him? That'd be the one I think it could. But we'll see. And I, I don't know, Sam. I don't know if you had one left. I had Scotty Sheffer left. I didn't mention him, but I don't have to elaborate a whole lot on why you would pick Scotty Sheffer. <laughs> he has a ten percent chance to win the golf tournament. Yeah, that's, that's all you need to say. Ten percent yeah, chance to exactly. win. Exactly. It was either him or Rom, and Rom's three hundred more bucks on DraftKings. So I said, well, if you're in a one and done pool, do not use your big names because you have elevated no. events and majors this year. Definitely don't use those guys uh, in this event. But. One last subject here, speaking of a big name who really struggled last year, Netflix, uh, their PGA Tour Netflix show um, that's coming out called Full Swing, It's uh, uh, it has been reported that they're going to reveal Brooks Kepka's struggles. Quote, he seemed, in fact, miserable, unable in one scene to talk to his fiance about their wedding plans without gazing over and obsessing about his broken swing. Wow. Woody, I mean, <laughs> that's not good, and maybe that's why we saw you know the struggles from Brooks until he did win on Live and in, mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia. But man, I mean, I, I'm sure that you've kind of felt that way. All golfers have felt that way, at least that have played competitive golf. That you're when you're searching, it's depressing. It it, it yeah. kind of you know engulfs your life, especially when you're not, you know you're on that big of a stage. Well, and he he was on such a huge stage. Then you throw injuries on top of it. His body was not not in good shape last year. You throw the pressure of a um, a wife that wants nothing short of a princess Diana wedding, um, right. and then you think, well, I can't make a was that ludicrous at their wedding? I think. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, they're, they're it was just, crazy. Uh, what we've always said, guys, when we talk about on this podcast. We don't have an inside behind what happens in their bedrooms or their houses or what's going on in their lives. And if you think that doesn't affect their play, you're wrong. And and maybe this little Netflix show will show you just how messed up he was. And I think it was. I think between all that stuff he had in his personal life and his injuries and everything else, I'm surprised he won at the end of the year. And, guys, this Netflix show is really intriguing to me because at least from the trailer, we've just seen the trailer, it doesn't necessarily seem like the PGA Tour propaganda piece that I thought it was going to be. That We saw you know, highlights behind the scenes of live guys like Dustin Johnson, Kevin Knob, Brooks Kepka. I think that you know they're probably going to do 
it justice on what the story actually was. And we even saw Ian Poulter say in the trailer that you guys picked a hell of a year to follow the PGA Tour. I mean, yeah, and the series comes out on February 15th. And I cannot wait to, to watch. I think, just like you guys said, I think it's going to focus more on the players than actually the organizations, which I hope is the case. But, but yeah, if, if every single year to, to do it, this was absolute one. And, and just to, to the point about Kepka, I saw at the PGA Championship. He didn't look the same. He didn't look like a guy that had won no. four major championships and a guy and, who would dominate that field. There were so many other players there I looked at and said, man, I'm blown away by him. But Kepka just wasn't the same for me. And even I asked him a question at the PGA, and I asked him, I said, Brooks, why are you trying all these different drivers, you know, the day before the tournament? And he goes, well, you know, I normally do that. It's just a backup. I, I don't believe him. I don't think it was a backup. I think he was searching for something because he kept hitting it way right on the range. And I think not only just that day, but I think that that was kind of what he was going through on a daily basis, just trying to figure it out, you know, and you can't find it. Yeah. And there's nothing worse. Yeah. I mean, there's no, nothing no, worse. It, absolutely. You don't even want to get up in the morning because you know, where you're looking to find a solution, you also know it's going to be a, a maybe another day of just struggles and disappointment. So uh, Kepka, we know what he's capable of. Uh, but he wouldn't be the first golf professional that ever hit a highlight reel and then just kind of faded away. Yeah, I don't think he is, but we'll see. A lot of people say that he's going to do that. I think just from this report from this Netflix show of them saying how you know beat up and and kind of how much it bugged him that he wasn't playing good golf, kind of gives you a behind the scenes look to a little bit of his shtick that's like oh I don't care he cares he cares he cares he and I think cares. that he's going to have a better 2023 I I don't necessarily think he's going to win a major but I think he'll win on the live tour this year I I think that you know, he's just too talented not to. Well, it's telling you, right? How much money does Bruce Kepka have now? And he's still worried about this stuff. And Enough. for anyone who, who comes out and says, oh, well, money's going to make these players not care, it's the biggest bogus piece of shit thing I've ever yeah. heard. It's like you could have a $100 million in the bank. If you can't hit the golf ball where you want to, it's going to drive you nuts <laughs> until no you get it figured yeah. out. It doesn't matter how much money you have to do it. No? no doubt. Guys, it's been an absolute blast out here at Jimmy Austin. The golf course is immaculate. Tyler Woodward doing a great job, Woody. We'll talk about him. I'll have you talk about him to end the show. But, guys, I'm kind of excited to go get a burger here, too. The food's awesome out here as well. <laughs> Dude, no uh, doubt. But, it's starting to smell good but, in here, too. I mean, Tyler's out there working right now, Woody. I mean, what, what else do they have going on out here at Jimmy Austin? Well, you talked about it. It's going to be a really busy year. No doubt. Especially with the Corn Ferry. I mean, that's, that's big. I mean, we, we, we'll, we'll talk about it a lot more as we get used to it and coming on in June, but, um, I'm excited for Tyler. Um, uh, you know, and I, who'd ever thought it, both my mom and dad went to OU and of course I went to OSU, but I'm, I'm slowly, but surely now don't let the ceiling fall in on me here, but I'm <laughs> kind of becoming a little bit of a the new renovated fan. ceiling in here, by to, the way, if you have to, a, this is the first be. time I've been inside the clubhouse. We obviously went to the Coast Center for that interview with the uh, OU golf team, but I haven't been in here. Last time where I am sitting right now, this used to be the pro shop, and right. now it's just a giant restaurant. It, it it There's not any part of this facility that they haven't upgraded that isn't just first class. It's, and, and I mean, how many know, TVs are in here? Uh, a bunny? Um, there's, a bunny. <laughs> there's five on that wall right yeah. there. Like and Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. Six yeah, on that is. other wall, yeah. It is. It's 20? A, it's it's yeah. a spectacular facility. And 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 I told my nephew, I, you guys will laugh at this, but I remember when he, he went to school here at OU and he worked here at 
Jimmy Austin while he was in school. And he gets out of college and he goes, Unc, I'm, I think I'm going to, I want to get in the golf business. <laughs> oh, God. You had to talk know. him off the ledge? I, I, for about two hours, I tried to tell him every reason why he shouldn't and don't <laughs> do that. It, you you want to have a home life? You want to, you know, if you want to play golf, go be a club pro. But uh, all, all that talk went just right out the window, and here he came. So, And then as he progressed down here, I was so proud of him because he he slowly but surely worked his way up, worked his way up. And then, of course, I got that one call where he was possibly going to move to another position at another club that was offering him a job. And at least this time he listened to his old uncle. I said, don't do it. <laughs> Please don't do it. Yeah. You've got one of the finest facilities in the state. Plus, you're working at some place you love. And, yep. and how often do you get to work at a job you love? And and he truly loves it, even though i got to tell you guys, uh, back when he was just the head pro, I could see him and talk to him. <laughs> I don't know where he is now. He's he the is, CEO now. He is going and blowing like gangbusters. But he does such a phenomenal job with this place. And I I'm, I'm, I know with the Corn Ferry and everything coming, I'm, I'm – I'm not worried about here. I'm. I look forward to summer to come down and playing again. That's where I played most of my golf when Oak Tree was shut down. Was here, no doubt. Jimmy Austin, one of the premier facilities in Oklahoma. Guys, definitely go follow OU Golf on Twitter and Jimmy Austin on Twitter as well and Instagram. But follow us as well at the seventy third hole on Twitter and at seventy third hole on Instagram. Also, hit that subscribe button. It's the purple button on Apple and the green button on Spotify. It's absolutely free. It just helps us out. We will be back next week here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.